morning, folks. You are dialed in, logged in, tuned in to another edition of the How Do You Do Review radio program right here on CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg, Bell MTS Channel 713 here in Churchill, Manitoba, and on CHMR 93.5 FM in St. John's, Newfoundland. Wherever you're listening from, thank you for taking the time to join us. My name is Joe Stover, and we have a great show lined up for you today. We're lucky enough to have Rene DeMille join us from his home in Edmonton, Alberta. No, we won't be talking about the jet sweep of the Oilers, but oh, how great was that? No, no, we'll be talking to Rene about growing up here in Churchill and his involvement in the music scene here in the 80s and the 90s before he headed out west. He's still making music, and we'll talk to him about that as well. But first, here's one of his songs for you right now. It's called Her Lovin's Got a Hold on Me. Here's Renee DeMille on the How Do You Do Review, CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg.
That was Rene DeMills with his song, Her Lovin's Got a Hold on Me, and we've got Rene with us on the line from Edmonton, Alberta. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm awesome. Great, great. So tell us about that song. Well, um, Her Lovin's Got a Hold on Me. That was actually written back in 1990. Oh, with, wow. Uh, yeah, it was written with uh, a guy named Paul Tursky. And if anyone knows where he is, please, like, Send me his phone number. I've been looking for him for over a decade. Oh, <laughs> just wow. Just disappeared. Just and, off the face I mean, of the planet, just eh? can't find him, yeah. Me and Paul Tursky wrote that song in 1990. And um, I, I, of course, finished it. It was never finished. And so all we had was a, a verse and, a, and the chorus. And and I, I finished it uh, a couple years back and, and finally recorded it. But... Uh, it used to be called the hokey song we didn't have a name for it because it didn't have words like um we had uh, a few you know mumblings of of uh harmonies and and whatnot but it, it didn't have word but it kind of had a hokey feeling so we uh yeah it was called the hokey song for better part of a decade and and then um i uh put it together and uh named it her got a got a hold on me you know yeah got a hold on me cool That's cool what it, 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 and it he was and paul, yeah. paul was in uh, like this was back in the tequila days i'm guessing correct yeah paul was uh, one of one of the founding members me and paul uh, michael woods and um john hicks and that was kind of the the core of of tequila and we we've added we added a few extra people of course then uh, Cheryl LaRock came in and um, we did a, a lot of songwriting with well with a woman singer and or, or um, kind of duet styles things so we'll be playing one a little bit later yeah it's kind of, it's a, kind of a duet idea yeah cool stuff yeah so. I started uh, hanging out with with Cheryl's son around that time, when you guys would be practicing and stuff. And I remember once I was uh, can't remember where I was walking home from, and uh, I heard music coming from the house, and I knew that that was like, hey, that's where that's where Renee lives. What the heck's going on, you know? And I snuck the, I <laughs> tried to be all uh, you know uh, all stealthy. stealth, uh, super stealthy, and and you know, so I put my put my nose up to the my eyes up to the window and uh i saw you guys playing and unfortunately the only time i ever saw you guys play was was when you guys were practicing because i wasn't old enough to go to the you know to the bars and stuff and i imagine that you guys played like uh northern knights and uh and seaport and stuff like that oh yeah yeah we played at the legion um northern knights had us quite a few times but the seaport was kind of one of our haunts you know uh in the early days the seaport was like just the place to be and then it kind of flip-flopped and then the uh the legion was and uh so you know it's funny churchill with the with with all its bars you know it uh the the stylish spot would switch like in a month it's like okay now everybody wants to be at the tundra yeah well <laughs> right i, I don't and think that like, that's i don't well, think that that's changed it's a one well yeah. i mean it certainly has changed right yeah. now because nobody's going anywhere but yeah no you're absolutely right i've seen years where the legion was the place to be i've seen years 
where the seaport was, the tundra, like or, or, the, or the lounge at the uh, at the seaport. That's right. That was, yeah. So the seaport, a, the seaport lounge is, uh, yeah, it's it's a bit different a than the venue. main bar. But yeah, that uh, and that seems to be actually things were going really, really good at the lounge before this pandemic hit. Like uh, Roy Mexted was playing there every Friday, and not just on bear season. It was like that was the first time I'd ever seen the seaport lounge open just in the middle of the winter, and it was pretty darn full. Yeah, it's it's such a great little intimate venue. Yes, and um, and so uh, especially if you're doing just a just a single or or a dual act, it, it's uh, it's a it's a great venue. And a lot of times when I played it back in the day, uh, the whole room would be singing. You know. Yeah. And, and it's just the memories, and I, I wish I had video cameras back then because you wouldn't believe some some of the performances of just just regular Churchillians, you know, coming up and singing a song. It's like still is that that way today. But, you know, you see the legacy of of people like uh, Wolf Cook and and uh, my dad and my Uncle Dan and and uh, then the people that came after them with Loose Gravel and and um, Silverfish. Mm-hmm. These are some of the band names that kind of grew up, and uh, those, the foundation in music that was that was laid down back in those days, really that that like uh, has made. I, I, there's so many talented people that come out of Churchill. You're absolutely it right. Just, it's so mind blowing, so mind blowing, and uh, the music uh, uh, community there is huge. I mean, your family has a big part in that too. I think. I think your mom is responsible for quite a few uh, violin players and yes, and, yes, that's yeah, that's and, right. And, and, and that was music, a lot of music come out of that uh, that space for sure. Well, and that was kind of the the cool thing too is that is that the fiddle had kind of uh, had almost kind of died off in at least its uh, at least its popularity up here because I you know growing up I don't recall seeing many local fiddle players at all i i just don't um and but my mom being with frontier school division she would be you know going to these different music jamborees and stuff and and seeing all these places in the north playing the fiddle and she thought well i think it would be great if churchill could could do this but she didn't know how to play the fiddle so she learned to play the fiddle so she could teach other people to play the fiddle and this is 15 years I think running now and there are a lot of kids and a lot of young adults now that can just take out a fiddle and play you know being able to to incorporate that into into Churchill's music scene has been great because it's an ever-evolving scene and and I mentioned to you earlier you know talking to your dad back when we'd go for coffee all the time I would just pick his brain about what the scene was like back when he was you know playing with the rhythm makers and things like that um, when did you start, you know, getting an interest in wanting to maybe play music? I'm sure that you grew up with music all around you. So tell me about, about what you remember about the music scene here in Churchill and how you decided to kind of get involved with it. Well, there was always music in our house. You know, my mom loved music. She sang, uh, I mean, she was the, she was the head choir person at the church and my dad played guitar for like our whole lives in in the church and so we had that aspect of it but then 
we always had like people coming over and uh, to play with my dad at our house or um, at parties. Back then, they they special events. They had all kinds of parties, like, and they all had live music, all of it. it was just it was everywhere, and so I grew up in that kind of a- atmosphere. And when I took an interest in guitar, I I wanted to. Um, I went to my dad. I said, "Hey, uh, one of one of his numbers that he did the guitar boogie. Uh, he always did the guitar boogie. You know, mm-hmm. there was one of there was always somebody yelling, play guitar boogie.' You know, um, and so I uh, that was one that I wanted to learn to play. And I said to my dad, I said, "Hey, you know, can you teach me guitar boogie? Um, I want to learn to play guitar." And he said, "No." <laughs> no. He said, "No." Yeah, and you may think that's shocking. He was like, "No, don't play, don't play my play, don't play, play your own music. Find your own music." And you know, at the time, it was like it kind of, it it kind of hurt me, but it was the best thing he ever did for me. My dad, he played cover songs his whole life, but he never ever wrote a song that I know of. Mm -hmm. I I don't know, I, I I don't know of one song that that my dad had written and um um there may be you know maybe i'll find it and we've got a, a whole container full of stuff from uh from their estate that we haven't even gone through yet but um long story short i mean i'm a songwriter like i started writing my song my my own music at uh at, at the age of 14 um by the, by the time I was 16, I had already written 10 songs. Uh, and, you know, and now I have over, over a hundred original songs written, but not recorded. So I'm just, uh, it's taken me, you know, three decades and 30 years to put together a studio where I can actually uh, record my own music. But that was, that I started when I was 12 and I grew up around it. And I, 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 I was one of the guys running around, uh, loose gravel, um, you know, doing the roadie stuff. Mm-hmm. I did the sound for them for a while. Um, and, uh, I started playing bass with uh, loose gravel when Leonard Oslin's, um, was in the back of the theater back then. They had all the band equipment set up in the, behind the screen in the theater. I remember that, yeah. It was a great space. It was a great space, you know. It, we'd use the theater speakers. We'd just turn them towards us, and and uh, and the drums were back there and everything, and people had no idea. They'd go sit and watch a movie, and right behind it was all our band equipment just set up, ready to go. And um, so we practiced in there quite a bit. And one day, Leonard Oslin came up to me, and he taught me a bass track and one of the and the song was called Cora Said and that was written actually by Ronnie Bedard ah. and Ronnie Bedard uh, me and Ronnie became very good friends we, we lived together you know lived laughed and and drank and partied and loved and threw Eskimo carvings through windows and <laughs> just <laughs> amazing uh friend in ronnie and he taught me a lot about playing the bass guitar and i i learned to play the regular guitar 
and uh, then Leonard actually inspired me to learn how to play mandolin. And I learned how to play mandolin later on, and then drums because uh, at that time there was nobody else that I had to build my own band, and there was nobody. There was no players. I was the only uh, person in my whole school that knew how to play an instrument. So uh, I found out uh, that Michael Woods has had like a he's a bit of a savant. That guy, he he um, amazing mind. You know, uh, he could see something once and do it. Like a, he had a perfect memory. So I, I would show him uh, a bass track and he'd immediately play it and know it. And that was uh, amazing. It was like it was like having a you know a re- record player for myself here. Play this, and then I'd play over top of it. And started to you know build compositions and and um, and then uh, John Hicks came into the picture and he wanted to learn how to play drums. So I taught him how to play drums the best I could, and. Uh, uh, Leonard Oslin helped him out a bit with the, and that 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 um, Christmas he got a set of drums for Christmas, so that was our first band and it was called Jammer, Jammer. We called ourselves Jammer. Yeah, I was just JMR. actually going to ask John, what uh, what what that stood for, but I yeah, guess that John, makes sense. Mike, John, Mike, and and Renee, and so that was our first kind of band, and you know we did punky stuff, rock and roll, and. And uh, some some ACDC covers, and it was good times. Yeah, so how old would you have been around then? 17 at that time. So I remember we we had a, we had a bit of a, an act together that we put together, and, and we got a special uh, permit to play in the, in, the, in the Seaport Hotel when it opened uh, that New Year's. So we were too young to be in the bar, but so we go in and we'd play in the in the bar and then they'd have to bring us into the, to the lobby and we, so we'd sit in the lobby until our next set and then we'd go back in and play and uh, yeah it was uh, I, I've got oh I've got a great here I'm going to show you something yeah yeah I, I know this isn't very uh, radio friendly but uh, I've got a great picture here of just that moment so here it is this is this is this is us playing the opening of the seaport hotel i don't know the date me just me and john hicks at that point Uh um michael woods wasn't was didn't know how to play bass yet uh (laughs) but that's john hugging his grandma Uh. this is mrs tutu you see her, uh, yeah. her sealskin footwear? Yeah, I can see her now. Now that I haven't seen the seaport look like that in a long time. Yeah, and behind the bar is Edgar Botello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Good times. So then Oops. then JMR turned into uh, into quick release? Is that how that happened? Or was quick release, would you call it, a, a completely oh separate God. band? That brings back some memories. Quick release. Oh my God. That was um, me, John, uh, Michael Woods, and Norman Swader. Norman Swader. Norman, Norman Swader wanted to be a, 
a rock star going to be a singer <laughs> and um yeah and uh, he had some chops man he had, he had the swagger yeah and uh yeah we wrote about three or four songs uh as quick release and uh it was really kind of punky punky stuff woke up in the morning shaking like hell you must rise by the toll of the bell eyes bloodshot blurry and red on mornings like this i wish i was dead <laughs> that, that's actually a song that we wrote that's amazing uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good day after day it's still the same way gotta find a new life find a new way day after day it's still the same way gotta find a new life find a new way hey <laughs> That's classic, yeah. man. That's an, and, that, I, and that didn't go number one. Man, I, I, I can't even remember. Like I, I've, I haven't. That just came out of the ether when you said quick release. I, I like totally had forgotten about that whole. Yeah. And it just that's uh, crazy. It, well, it just just shows just brought it all back. It's just man. yeah, like it was already inside your head, just waiting to, waiting to pop out. Yeah. When when was the last time you sang that song? You think. Forty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, at least thirty-five years ago. That is that is wild, and uh, gotta be. And from uh, according to the uh, the definitive book on the Churchill music scene, which is uh, the Rhythm Goes On, which uh, was written mm-hmm. co-written by uh, uh, it was your dad and Joe Deleron that pretty much did that book, yeah. Yeah, Joe did most of the work. He did all the typing with his little typewriter, mm-hmm. and he actually got somebody to uh, photocopy all the pictures in it and yeah he was serious about that and back in the day it was it was a big deal yeah and and, uh, and according to that uh, according to that bible of churchill music it says here that uh, there is a little thing on quick release in that book and oh you're kidding me oh there is yeah and it says here that uh, when woodsy took off to school uh, somebody replaced him on bass do you remember who that was yeah, I, I think it was uh, McTavish. Um, it was Barry uh, McTavish. It was oh, Nick, or Nick, it was Nick Surgeonies. Nick Surgeonies, <laughs> that's right. That was Nick. Yeah, and he was uh, he's amazing. Nick uh, Nick was an interesting guy, man. That guy loved to Just, rock. Uh, that, that's one thing I knew about a him. A lot of fun, man. He could he he had a, a I don't know where he is now, but. But he could, he could just light up a room, man. He he had that he had that charisma, you know. The he walk in a room and and everyone and he could just just demand the room, you know, and hold it with a joke and and had everyone's attention, you know. And well, he played he played uh, he played like a beast. Oh he was yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, we we had a lot of fun. Now, before we start talking about uh, stuff that's going on now, one more, one more little blurb in the uh, in the rhythm goes on was about a band called the Third Coast Project. Now, oh. what was now what was that all about? You know, that was a that was a kind of a, a joining of, of of two bands, and that band had the had the the possibility to to become just amazing. Uh, just everyone had life um, life goals that 
went different directions, you know, and we had all the elements there. Uh, Vern Marshall was the drummer who actually, uh, he actually trained under Neil Peart of Rush. Really? He, he saved, he worked for three summers in Churchill and he saved every cent he had and he sent himself to uh, the Git Bit Pit um, Institute of Music Technology in California. And, um, you know, Git stands for guitar, uh, bit, bass, and, um, you know, and Pit was percussion. And so he really wanted to go there. And so he, he made that happen for himself. And he, Neil Pert was teaching the year he was there. And the guy, he's an amazing drummer. He was one of those drummers that, you know, how people cross over when they drum. Yeah. He didn't. He would play his hi-hat with his, with his left hand and snare with his right. So it open, it opens up your whole um, right arm to do all kinds of things. And um, just amazing drummer. And that was Vern Marshall. Um and then we had uh, a, gr- a girl name was Tracy McDonald, mm-hmm. and she ended up going in I think Australia or New Zealand or something. But she um, amazing keyboard player, and um, we had um, uh, Kevin Berg. Yeah, I saw I saw he, him in there. Yeah, he he um, he was doing percussion and. Uh, and congas and uh, timbales kind of thing and and Leonard also who normally played bass he came for, forward and uh, sang and of course we had Cheryl LaRock singing um, myself on bass Ronnie Bedard on guitar um, I th- think I think we had Tony uh, Campari as well was uh, playing guitar too. It was just like just an amazing group of musicians that you we, could o- you could almost call that a Churchill supergroup, right? It it was at the time. I was like, how uh, to bring all all of that together, and and we practiced quite a bit, and we created a show. We played uh, the beer, big beer gardens that. Canada Day in in Churchill and and uh, it was it was recorded. There were some people from the CBC who came up and and recorded some of it. And it's I don't know where it went. Oh man! And well, we did a we did a version of the Paola's uh, Eyes of a Stranger that just would blow your mind. <laughs> it just just uh, perfect. You know that would that would sure be something if there was. Uh... Like you said, videotapes and and audio tapes of all of some of the incredible acts that have come through. Like we're so lucky that Cook and Country had the had those six episodes recorded, because it gives us a glimpse of just the incredible talent that that was here. Yeah. And, and you know that that really would have been, man, it really would have been something to see, and even just yeah. to hear, like you know, all over again. You know, that would have been something. It really, really was. Now I see that you're in your studio there, and I see you've got your guitar there uh, with you. Would you like to play a song for us? Absolutely. That would be great. Yeah, I've got, I've got my studio set up. I'm going to have a new blog coming out. I'm uh, doing a, a blog. Uh, it's it's good. It's a story and a song. Each episode is going to be. I'm going to tell a story about living in Churchill and and 
you know, life kind of uh, stories and and tell a story about a song and play a song. That would be great. And so I've set up my studio. I've got multi-camera kind of uh, uh, set up here. That's the main studio, and um, that's my my workbench. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So when are you thinking uh, something like that will be available, your, uh, your story uh, well, and I'm song? Gonna start, I'm going to start in July. Mm-hmm. So I've been just kind of getting everything set up in the studio and uh, um, putting it all together, and I'll probably launch it in, in July. Yeah. Fantastic. Right on. So uh, the song I'm going to play uh, is is a song I wrote for my sister Katie. Some of the, some of the some of the words in the song she actually sp- spoke out loud during um, or after a a real big breakup with um, with her life partner at the time. Uh, I call him Bart. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and. And so uh, I wrote this kind of to commemorate that or that moment. And, and it's just, it's basically a song uh, for anyone that's experienced a, a, a breakup like of, a, of a long-term relationship. So, Right on, Letterbuck. Here's Rene DeMille's.
Beautiful tune, man. That's I've always, I've always enjoyed you playing. I've seen you play that live a few times. A beautiful tune. Oh, thanks, man. What do you uh, What do you call it? Uh, that is. Titled it. Oh, that's all good. It's uh, it's all good. Those uh, it's uh, the the song with no name. That's good. You're gonna get it. You're gonna get it all. You know you, you um lost and lonely. I don't. Yeah. You help me. <laughs> well, that's uh that's good stuff. Yeah, you. Yeah, it 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 needs a name. So I'll work on that one. So I'll I'll be recording that one probably. Uh, in the next week or so, and uh, post it uh, next week. Oh, great! Yeah, that's... and I'll and I'll name it. Excellent for, for you, Joe. Oh, wow! Well, isn't that <laughs> isn't that lovely? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, that's yeah, super super beautiful tune. Now, um, you're in Alberta now. How long have you been in Alberta for? Oh my, uh, twenty years? Not quite. Fourteen. Um, I moved to Flintflon. I was in Flintflon for about three years after I left Churchill, mm-hmm. and I was the fire chief in the town of Creighton for three years, the youngest fire chief in the history of uh, Saskatchewan. Well, I did not know that. That is uh, that is some Rennie DeMille trivia yeah. that I've that I didn't know that I would know. I learned something about you today. That's incredible. Yeah, well, I got burned in Churchill. I, I got burned really bad. Like I had uh, my first job out of high school uh, was at Stitco Energy, and I got a job uh, driving the bulk truck. And then I got I took the training to uh, to become a furnace technician. And that first summer, I was doing uh, furnace cleaning for the housing authority. And uh, I come across this this. Um, this furnace that had a cracked manifold and um and you know I, I you have this little rubber hose you put it on this fitting and and it's got a pressure gauge and you turn the gas valve on and 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 you register the, the pressure in the manifold and i looked at it and it wasn't it wasn't registering any pressure and i looked up and it was wide open and i just went woo went like this and it went woof <laughs> and and, and I went, I went back like this, and there's not much room in those, uh, those uh, furnace rooms. You know, you're kind of right off the kitchen, in this up against the wall. You know, right? And, yeah. Uh, so, I when the, the fireball kind of hit me, it burned my my backs of my hands. Like I, I don't have any hair on the backs of my hands; they're um, pretty scarred, and um, my face like. And so I, I ran out of the, the furnace room and there was like dirty dishes in the sink. You know, somebody had like soapy water. I dunked my face in there, save me. And, uh, so it was three months. Like my hands were, were bandaged up. All I had was, uh, my thumb on this end and my, my index finger and my thumb on the other one. The rest were all bandaged up. My face was like leather. Like you could touch it. And the whole thing would move in one piece, like a, like a mask, and and uh, and it didn't crack. Like I got lucky; like, I w- didn't get any scars um, on my face for that. But it took a long time for my. You look really crazy when you have no eyebrows, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so um, um, I uh, I joined the fire department, 
and uh, that was the story I told to to get me on the fire department. There was a back then. There was a lot of people wanted to get on the fire department. I said, you know, I, you know, I recently experienced being burned, and and I don't want anybody to to experience that, and uh, that's why I want to join the fire department. And so uh, they chose me. There was only one opening and six guys wanting, and they, they actually had an interview process back then. Mm. And yeah, and uh, so they chose me, and and uh, I I got my captain's um, badge uh, about three years later, and uh, I went out and uh, took the instructor's training. So I actually was a level one uh, certified fire service instructor and um and that got me the job in in creighton to uh as fire chief and i taught uh 25 50 uh, year old men how to get their certification in creighton and uh, that's that was something a, that was a leap man that was hard the young guy coming in and uh you know a lot of these guys are like what can you teach me and i'm like buddy <laughs> I, I've been there. I've been in fires. I, I, there's nothing I can teach you. I can't teach you anything. But what I can do is help you pass the test. And um, uh, because, you know, everything in the fire service is kind of competency-based. Like, uh, if, you're, if, you, if you can do the job, you can get the job. It doesn't matter what you book smart. But at, at one point, they actually started um, saying that volunteers have to have, to have at least their cert one. In fire service, and so um, I went in there, and I I had twenty five certified cert one uh, firefighters within two years. Yeah, and I and then I took um, arson investigation, and so I taught uh, the jaws of life um, as well, uh, you know, cutting people out of cars and stuff. Oh my and, goodness. Uh, and I taught arson investigation. I did all the investigations for uh, Denier Beach and Creighton. So if there was a fire that was suspicious, I'd you know go and collect samples. And Detective like Detective Demille to the uh, on the case. So yeah, I did three years in in, in and then uh, moved to Edmonton, which was always my goal to go to Edmonton because my my sister Michelle lived here. And, mm -hmm. and uh, funny now. Uh, I'm here. She moved back to Manitoba. Yeah, that's that's that after uh, after uh, yeah, her husband retired, right? Yeah, they were they both retired now, and that's right. they bought bought two lots on on the beach in in Dauphin, and and have their dream retirement home. Okay, since you've since you've been in Alberta, were you able to find anybody else to play with there, as far as your music went, or did you well, were you looking for a band to play with, or what? You know, I did. I played. Uh, I played bass for a few bands. I have a bit of a reputation for being able to um, um, just sit in with any band without knowing their material. And if I could see your hands, I can. I can play bass with you. So I, that's um, that's a bit of a reputation that I have. And so I was a sit-in bass player for a lot of bands out here. So I did quite a few shows and bars and whatnot, but uh, but you know who else moved out here before he died? Ronnie Bedard. Ron Bedard. That's right. I've and seen some pictures of you guys 
Um, yeah, right. Since, well, in the recent years, right? You, like, you guys playing yeah. together just like the old days. Yeah, and so we actually got together and played, um, like, at least once a month uh, up until he got sick and, and eventually passed away. Um, but, yeah, me and Ronnie, through, you know, through three decades, all always kept together with so close friends you know and um and always had music made music and played music that's awesome Just loved it now yeah. uh so how did you end up hooking up with darina harvey music wise out there well you know what we actually uh we we brought our kids to the same school um you know i wanted i wanted uh the kind of same experience at a young age in music for my kids is as I got, but it, and the closest thing I could find was a school called the Suzuki Charter School, and uh, uh, so my son can play f- the f- violin like amazing. He started in kindergarten, went right to grade six, and my daughter as well. She was the first one. She plays cello. Oh wow! So yeah, yeah, and 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 of course my daughter has the most amazing friendship in uh in Darina Harvey's daughter who also went to the same program and she plays flute so um they're still very good friends they they uh, um after after they left Suzuki they still maintain that friendship and still do today and 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 that's where I met Darina and and her husband Steve, they're really close friends of mine. So, and we get to, we get to, we used to go together and, and have those uh, East Coast kitchen parties, and well, nobody has a good time like the like Dorina Harvey and, and oh, Steve Pinson. You, you got that yeah. right. Now, uh, this show airs in Newfoundland as well on CHMR ninety three point five FM every every Monday night from eight to nine Newfoundland time. Now, Darina Harvey, I first heard of her through my buddy, Sonny Ennis, who used to live in Churchill for a few years. He's from where Darina's from, out in uh, Placentia, out around that way in Newfoundland. Yeah. And Wabush. Uh, oh, is, yeah. is she from Wabush? Uh, she is. I'm not sure exactly where, yeah, but I think Wabush was, uh, is kind of where her family is from. Gotcha. Well, and, so maybe, yeah, I'm not exactly sure through the jigs and the reels of it, but they... They, they ended up uh, growing up together for a little bit, and uh, mm. I remember I was in Newfoundland for one of the the seven Boxing Day parties that uh, I was lucky enough to get out there for, and I'll, I'll say that I've never been to a, a bigger party than a, than a Newfoundland Boxing Day party, my goodness gracious. Um, so we were at this, uh, at my buddy Sonny's parents' place out in Southeast Placentia, and we were you know, picking different music to play and stuff like that. And Sonny has always been really good for introducing me to a, a, a lot of good Newfoundland music and said, Hey, we should, uh, he's, I'm going to, I'm going to play something for you. And I, I know this, this girl, I went to school with her or something like that. And I was like, this person's amazing. You know, who is this? Oh, her name's Darina Harvey. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. And you know, I um, got the CD from him and kind of followed her a little bit. And then I remember going on Facebook, scrolling through, and and there's you 
and her playing like at a kitchen party together and i was like yeah. you know th- this this country is so big but it's really so small because that's yeah. that it's just incredible where where there's all these connections you know by hook or by crook everybody seems to be connected somehow so i thought that was pretty incredible that uh, not only did you yeah. know who Darina was you know you you've played with her before and that that is so cool Oh yeah, and she is a powerhouse. She's like, she's uh, East Coast royalty. That woman, and and she's got the biggest voice I've ever heard. And she's played with, you know, she's she's played beside some of the biggest bands in in you know Great Big Sea, all the other all, all the just iconic Canadian uh, artists all know who Dorena Harvey is. She's just amazing. And, um, yeah, she, uh, we can't wait till COVID's over so we can get back to the kitchen. Yeah. I think, I think everybody's in the same boat as you. Um, so we're, we're getting a bit close to the end of it, but, uh, before we go, um, if people want to check out more of your, uh, more of your music and, uh, other projects you might be doing, where can they find your stuff? Well, you can just Google my name, Renee DeMels, um, or you can um, Google Rockstar Renee. That's kind of one of my handles. Um, always a rock star at heart. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Um, if you Google my 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 full name, you'll 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 find I'm on Reverb Nation. I'm also on SoundCloud, and I do have a YouTube channel which is just kind of launching next week. Um, so uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, that's that, that'll be great. I was on Twitter, but I got kicked off. What? I got kicked off of Twitter. Oh, what'd you get for kicked call, off? For, for calling Fox News a, a, a racist white man network. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, and that's... Uh... It's funny yeah. that it's funny that you got kicked off of Twitter for that. It seems like uh, there's people that have called them far worse. So I know, I know, it's crazy, right? It's just, uh, I guess I was. Um, they said I was making fun of white men. <laughs> Boy, if if we had uh, <laughs> if we had more time, eh, we could spend a lot of time on that. Oh my goodness. Um, well, that's that's awesome. So what I'll do is I'll also put the links. To uh, to the Reverb Nation, to SoundCloud, and uh, once oh, yeah, your man. YouTube is up, I'll make sure that uh, that there's a link up there, and and definitely keep in touch. You know, you've always got a platform here to to play your tunes and and stuff like that. So uh, I really awesome. do appreciate you coming on and taking the taking all this time with us today. Now we'll uh, we'll end off with a, a song that you did in the studio. What song would you like us to play to to end the show on? Oh, I think. Uh... You should play the most recent one. It's um, it's featuring my daughter, the one, the one take wonder. All right, on. Yeah, she didn't. Uh, that the, uh, it's one of those songs. You know, it's like a duet kind of idea, um, and I've got a history of writing songs for, you know, other people that are out of my vocal range. I've got a very limited vocal range, so I write songs. Um, when I write songs, I write them in that range, but I also have a whole section of songs that I write for women and for like out of my vocal range. And this is one of those. And, um, 
so my daughter um, stepped up to the to the mic and sang the female part, and she just rocked it first time around. Oh, she sure did. I, I really love the tune. So it's called Don't Even Think About It. It's uh, Rene DeMille and his daughter Danny, and it is awesome. And here it is on the How Do You Do review, CKUW 95.9 FM Winnipeg, and... CHMR 93.5 FM in St. John's. Rennie, thanks so much again, buddy. Thank you.
Rennie DeMille and his song Don't Even Think About It. That one features his daughter Danny on vocals. As he calls her, the one take wonder. I don't know how she does it, honestly. We hope to hear more from her, that's for sure. Thanks to Renee for joining me all show. I love talking to people who were part of Churchill's music scene. I would have loved to have seen some of those glory days. I used to go for coffee every day with Renee's dad, legendary Bobby DeMille. And I'd listen to every story he told about the music scene here back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And that was back when we had two towns up here, Churchill and Fort Churchill. People still talk about the rhythm makers up here. And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You can check out Renee's work on SoundCloud, Reverb Nation, and he'll have a YouTube channel up real soon, as he said. I'll post links to anything I can on our Facebook page and our website. The How Do You Do Review is produced for and by CKUW 95.9 FM at the University of Winnipeg and was recorded here in Churchill, Manitoba. The program is also lovingly shared with our great friends in St. John's, Newfoundland on CHMR 93.5 FM. You can check us out online at howdoyoudoreview.tumblr.com and on Facebook, like I said. The show is also available as a podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts. If you're in Winnipeg, check us next. And if you're in St. John's, Terry Parsons and the Blind Lemon Blues is coming right at you. Stay tuned, and we'll see you next week. (laughs) ¶¶